Welcome to episode 17 of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. I'm Brian Egan from the class of 86. This week is part two of our visit with five Gonzaga basketball icons. Coach Dick Myers and Bill Wilson, legendary players from the class of 1980, John Williams, Marty Favret, and Tom Sluby. I really hope you had a chance to catch episode 16, part one of this two-part visit with these gentlemen. Great memories of the old gym, what it was like when the Carmody Center opened, and uh, special memories of guys like Father Dooley and Stu Long. All that in episode 16. All right, let's pick up the conversation as we talk about what took place on February 1st of 1980, when Gonzaga became only the third school to ever win a game against Amatha on their home court on Madison Street in Hyattsville. Coach Myers, the only other two to do it? St. John's, of course, early on, I might add, in Mathis history, and Bonner High School from Philadelphia, Archbishop Bonner. Tom, for everybody listening, describe what you remember most about maybe some small detail of that Friday. You know, I remember, I believe we had like a classroom. I thought we either changed in a classroom or I remember a classroom setting. Um, and so we were in a classroom and we, we went out for the game. DeMatha was, they were any other team for me. I didn't necessarily go to that game going, okay, I'm DeMatha tonight. Um, I wanted to, to be, you know, any team we played. But we had been competitive against DeMatha. And there were some folks on their team, you know, Adrian Branch, Phil Coles. You know, I was, I was kind of friends with them, but I was also competing against these guys. So anytime I played against them, be it, you know, in a formal setting in that league or even at St. John's in the summertime, I wanted to beat them. So I went into that game like any other game. I wanted to, to try to win. Marty, anything specific you recall from that day? It was a weird atmosphere. It was a Friday 3.30 game, and we didn't really have a lot of fans there. I had a brother come down from New Jersey on a whim, but... It was a strange time to be playing them. Just such a hard place to play. John, what do you remember? The sunlight was always a little different. You, your locker room was a was a classroom. It was they had the upstairs and then they had the stage. It was kind of a funky old place to play. They had a good squad. Kelvin Johnson and Brian Sheehan in the backcourt. You know, it was a good backcourt, but it wasn't quite the backcourt that was the year before when you had Sid Lowe and, and Derek Wittenberg. You know, they had Adrian Branch and Bill Coles and Harry. I mean, they were a real good team. And this was a very close back and forth game the whole way. Billy famously at halftime, because we were ahead, but we weren't playing that well. He said if they were wearing good council jerseys, we'd be up by 15. And he was right. We were sort of playing to the aura of DeMatha more than we needed to. Coach Myers, was there one moment that you still think about that was the difference between winning and losing? In that game, I believe it was a one point game that we had there was a crucial time earlier it's in the fourth quarter and I got a technical I didn't get very many tech believe it or not in my career at all it was for stepping on the floor and if you're at the math of the first row of the bleachers back then was your bench and the out-of-bounds line, if you got up and took half a step, you're stepping on the out-of-bounds line. You didn't have much room at all on the side. So I got up, and I was just a Louis Grillo, a great guy, by the way, and a terrific referee, later refereed in the NBA, had that game. He calls me for a technical. And I cut Louis, what are you doing? And he goes, you stepped on the floor. You get off the floor. I said, Lou, 
I wear a size 14D. How can I get off the floor? At the end of the game, we get a breakaway, and John Lawler has a layup. And one of their guys knocks it back through. It was obviously basket interference. One referee right there doesn't blow the whistle. What guy blew the whistle is Lou Grillo, the one that called the T on me. I'll remember that call. That call would have been, he said, no, good. And that was the clincher. Am I right, Johnny? You deserve the tech. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Can't say anything to these guys. I love it. You know, it was like a heart stopper, though, because on the final possession, Branch came down with a chance to win it. Yeah, down by one and missed the shot. They had two or three tips. It seemed like the buzzer never came. But yeah, he had about, Branch had about a 16-foot shot on the left wing, rattled out, thank God. And then just, it was like, it was Christmas morning. 45-44. Yeah, it was 45-44. So we held them to 44. We did it twice in a row. Yeah. Right? Go up to Alhambra, held them to 44 again. But we only had 42, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't going to mention that, were you, John? Not yet. Johnny deserves his due, though. Because he stole the inbounds pass in really amazing hand-eye coordination. He was over the guy throwing the ball out of bounds, and he, and he, he snared it right out of midair, and then he fed Lala for the layup. And then Adrian Branch came up and, and, like Dick said, knocked it through the basket, but it was a great play by Johnny. Now, you guys mentioned there weren't a ton of Gonzaga students actually at the game that Friday afternoon. So when did you guys start to get the sense that the word was getting out and that, oh, my gosh, Gonzaga did beat DeMatha. Like, when did you guys start to feel that? Was it Monday at school? I remember going to a party that night with some older, like, people that were, like, my brother's age, four or five years older than us, and walking in and literally getting a standing ovation from these people in Prince George's County that had heard about the game. So it was a big deal because it had been so long since we'd beaten DeMatha. There was that iconic photo of Sluby on the front page of, I think it Washington Star, you see up in the Carmody Center now. Tom, you get back to I Street fairly often. When you see that picture of yourself, what are you feeling? When I see that picture, uh, the first thing that goes through my head is if I tried to do that now, how much it would probably hurt. (laughs) 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 That's the first thing. You know, I don't remember exactly when that happened in the game, but it does, you know, make me think about you know, that was an accomplishment for, for all of us, you know, here on this call. And so it makes me think about that. That picture was three quarters of the sports page. Front page, three quarters of the sports yeah. page. And it just said, DeMatha loses, if I recall. Just <laughs> <DeMatha> loses. <laughs> now, did Gonzaga have any sway or influence on the size of that picture? I mean, was there an alum on the staff? I will admit that there was... Uh, Dave Bergen, who was the sports editor uh, there at the time, sent somebody out to cover it. And he was a good friend of mine. And there was a sort of coaches and writers uh, watering hole on Connecticut Avenue called Poor Roberts. It was a uh, very nice bar, part of the Roma restaurant, if you remember that at all, Connecticut Ave. Dave Bergen used to come in there. So we could probably thank my dear friend who passed away, Bobby Abo, uh, for perhaps they're sending a photographer out that day. I don't know, but th- that may have had something to do with it. 
Marty, you mentioned the fact that the only thing that the article or the, the caption said was DeMatha loses. Gonzaga at the time didn't have a whole lot of articles written about our program. And the, and the sports page, both in the Post and the Star, were worth getting the paper for. And we're getting ready to play out at the O'Connell Christmas tournament, which was a pretty big tournament at the time. And we're playing a team that's ranked number one in the state of New York, Holy Trinity from Long Island. By the way, they had written an article about come watch the game. It's not going to be much of a game. Holy Trinity is really good. Gonzaga's not any good. You know, they got Matt Doherty who went to Carolina and playing against Tom Sluby. You know, just come watch that matchup. Coach Meyer says he didn't use the chalkboard a lot, but he did. He had this stuff up on the chalkboard, and he always, as he would, he turned to Billy and said, Billy, you got anything to add? And Coach Wilson very rarely would say anything, but Billy says, they're from Long Island. Don't worry about it. Just go out and play. I actually said, don't worry about the guy. They talk like this. Talk like this. <laughs> the goes, thank you for your thank you for your insight, Bill. John, was that the same game where some of the press clippings were Tom Sluby and Little Else in terms of the way the press thought about Gonzaga's basketball program at the time? That was true. So I don't know if it was just that one, but there was more of those. That was a Washington Star preview, and Johnny and I kidded that. He was little and I was else. He moved <laughs> John, I have a question for you because, um, you know, for, for me and you, one of the highlights of our career was our junior year when we played Mackin at Good Council in the playoffs. You know, we were losing to Mackin and, you know, and I walk up to Johnny and I, I say, OK, let, you know, <laughs> throw one up. You might as well throw one up so we can uh, get a lob before the game ends. And um, I'm on the right side and I. And I look at Johnny, we make eye contact, and I, I go to the basket, and he tosses it up, and he throws it a little short, and Kevin Black is in the middle. I had to turn and catch it, and, and my back was to the basket, so I threw it in backwards. And for myself and John, I thought that was one of the, the better plays that we ever had, you know, as teammates. But as I was thinking about this, it made me wonder, how did we even start, how did we even start throwing a lob? Because I don't remember. Because um, Coach totally poo-pooed it, you remember? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Johnny, I looked down at the other bench after you guys did that. It was unbelievable. I never saw a high school dunk what? like that ever. And I looked down. The coach, I believe, at Mackin was Steve Hocker. Does that sound right? Yeah. And he looks down at me and he looks, he shrugs and so you get like, he goes, are you kidding me? Well, <laughs> so that's what I remember also. You know, remember Good Council had that little piece that was below the rim, a backboard, and the glass was above it. He broke the backboard. Threw it up against Kevin Black, who's six 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 seven, and it was CJ, Cecil Rucker. After four years at Notre Dame, made it even better, Sloop. <laughs> and Good Council sent a bill for the rim. <laughs> they had to tell the place to move to Albany. <laughs> the lob, we would just do it after practice. And the first time I remember it in the game, though, was against prep at home. You know, and standing room only, and Tommy comes down the right side, and you know, I let the ball go. And it was like, what the hell is he doing? And bam! In that game, wonderful man, John Delaney, who passed away not too long ago. Big basketball fan, Mr. Delaney. And he was at that game, and he noted when you came out of the game, Tommy, you had 38 points. The total Georgetown prep team had 36. And John Delaney never let me forget that. You know, the top slew, we had more points than the whole team or the other. That was the game. I, I'm positive it was against prep. Yeah. 
Man, I wish we had cameras everywhere back then. Is there still footage? Right. We had tape of every game. One tape, every game. <laughs> <laughs> the first, first game, we had a tape. Second game was on that same tape. Third game was on that Coach Wilson, let's talk a little bit more about the impact of that win on February 1st of 1980, 45-44 over DeMatha at DeMatha. What were you feeling after this win? I mean, you're the one who said at halftime that if they had good council jerseys on, Gonzaga would have been winning by more. I just think that for years, and Marty referred to it as that we just didn't think it was possible to, you know, I mean, DeMatha was, you know, they just show up and roll. I think that was a real turning point. We could mark that time as a milestone and say, if we play well and do what we're supposed to do, we got a real shot and we can beat these guys. The other thing that you can see is there's a lot of humor and laughter. There was a lot of hard work and maybe there was one Christmas day practice, but coach was, you know, old school, but he allowed some, some fun and there was, there was some laughter and that it sort of like made it, you know, a lot more palatable as you go through a long season, the senses of humor and, and these guys are as competitive as anybody I've been around, but there was also, you know, some real fun and joy and, uh, they even had the audacity to call coach Big Blue. And, you know, it was just, I remember one time we were playing good counsel. I think this was your sophomore year. And Dick was big on psychosybernetics. Picture yourself. And he'd said, uh, picture yourself in your offense. And if they pressure the ball, you're going to handle it well. You're not going to be, you know, you keep your composure and all right, and get in your set. And I think it was Greg Reaping that said, okay, now visualize yourself. I want everybody to be quiet. Let's see us running the offense. And Reaping goes, way to move without the ball, Tommy. And just everybody just cracked up. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. Uh, it, was at, it was the old Catholic year. We were playing good counsel. But, you know, Dick allowed, you know, I mean, he was serious, you know, uh, business. But we had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Coach Myers, you obviously brought Psycho-Cybernetics and Maxwell Maltz's book to the program on I Street. Where did you hear about it? Who introduced it to you? There was a guy coached in New York at Stony Brook, Stan Kellner, his name was. He's the one that got me out of it. But also, there was a very good coach at American University who was an assistant named Tom Davis. And later went on, coached at Lafayette, he was a great mm-hmm. coach at Boston College, great coach at Stanford. And he ended his career, Dr. Tom Davis, at Iowa. And he was very big on it as well. So they sort of nurtured me and got me going on it and recommended the best basketball book you can read is the first 50 pages of uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. So I grabbed it and they were right. It was uh, it really did help. It helped me with a lot of things. It helped me with my golf as well later on, believe it or not. I got to tell you about the laughter part that Billy brought up. I wasn't real big on chalk talks uh, on the blackboard. I did it a little bit. First, I never carried a, or very rarely carried a clipboard on the bench and diagram things, uh, timeouts and things. If you do that every day in practice, that's fine. That's why repetition was so important. But I did a chalk talk one time in a classroom. Johnny Williams is in the back and I'm drawing a play. And of course, it's a little bit of it was favorite Tom Sluby. We cut, we had a thing. I think we called it low for him. And we're going through low, and I'm going. Here's the other option you can do off a of low. But Johnny raises his hand. He goes, "How come all the plays we got? You never have plays for guards." <laughs> and, 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 
And Johnny Steele, who's sitting up front, Johnny waves and Johnny Steele, one of our players, turns around and looks back and he says, Well, you don't have to be vicious. He goes, <laughs> well, Coach Wilson and I lost it. We were talking about here's, here's Johnny a little bit ticked off about no guard. Well, anyway, it was very, very funny. So did a play ever get developed for the guards? He had two and a half years. That he never did. <laughs> that's right. Last word, you got it. Okay. But Dick, that, that's a cl- that's a clever name for a play. Low. They would never figure out where the ball is. <laughs> oh, that must be a three pointer for Johnny. I'm going to incorporate that into my football this fall. <laughs> all I'm telling you is it worked. That's all I can tell you. We, we got it into him. Tom, let me bring it back to you. You are still Gonzaga's all-time leading rebounder. When you see the success the program's having today, does it give you a sense of pride? Knowing how the job that you and the class of 1980 did, how it sort of laid the foundation for the success that's going on now? I mean, I, I feel the pride of being a, a Gonzaga alum. You know, I think the folks here on this call, we, yeah, sure. We did some, I think we did some, some good things, but when I see that it's, it's the evolution of Gonzaga basketball that started with, with Dick and, and Bill. John, as you look back, it's been 42 years since that basketball game, but let's talk about that life in between. How much of that time on I street being a part of that basketball program, did you see spill over into the career and the life that you uh, have had since? You know, it's interesting. The uh, fellow who recruited me to go to Siena left the summer I went into school, got into the brokerage business. I was just, it uh, tells you something about my college career. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's the one that, that convinced me to get into the into the brokerage business. I said, you know, I don't know the difference between a stock and a bond. And he said, well, I can teach the difference between a stock and a bond, but I can't teach somebody to shoot foul shots at 10 o'clock at night. That that repetition, you know, the, the heart and desire come from within, but, you know, but being around people that have that heart and desire and that fortitude uh, becomes very influential in, in the, my professional career. Marty, what about you? You've spent the last 23 years at Hampton, Sydney as a football coach. Did you take a lot of those moments on I Street into your professional career? Billy and Dick both mentioned the laughter, and I, and I think that's something that, that we all take away from that gang. And we can sit here 40 years later and chuckle. And I'd like to think as a head football coach that my players feel like we did with Dick, that on rare occasions you can speak up if you're uh, clever and smart. And it really does, uh, you know, let's not take the game too seriously. And I think as hard as we worked, the bond we have, you know, goes beyond and I could sit here and tell dozens of funny stories, whether it was Johnny coming up to me when I was shooting a foul shot and, and chide me late or, or, or Sluby and uh, just how funny we were together. But um, no, the hard work, sure. Um, but the laughs afterwards, as good as anything. All right, I want to make sure as we pass the ball around on this question that everybody gets to uh, weigh in with maybe that favorite teacher or that subject that they took while you guys were students at Gonzaga. Who were some of the people who had made the most impact on you? Tom? You know, I, I liked a lot of my science classes. Father Lily was hilarious to me for a number of reasons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know who else um, I really enjoyed, whose class I really enjoyed was Mr. Church and uh, his physics class. I just, you know, I just 
had so much fun in that in that class. And he was also funny in the way he taught class. And so it was so enjoyable. But those were two of my favorite teachers. I did take Big Blue. Um, I was in his English class. What was it? Ode to a Grecian Urn? And then, you know, how much does a Grecian Urn? <laughs> Excuse me, Brian. Tommy, you just spoiled one of the great one-liner jokes of all I know. Time. I always mess that up. What, I mess okay. Up. The line is, what's a Grecian Urn? And that's you say, it. that's it. Okay. About about 5000 a year. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Marty? Well, Mike Howe was a rock star for me, and um, uh, he was my freshman basketball coach, kind of guy that made you look forward to going to his class. And then I had a chance to teach alongside of these guys for years. And, you know, Billy Wilson, um, we've had a lot of laughs over the years with Billy, and uh, I like to think some of his zaniness I bring to practice every day with our guys, um, even though he doesn't know a whole lot about football, as he calls it. But yeah, whether it's Dick or Jack Bruin, who was my college basketball coach who played for Dick back in the day, you know, there's just so many people. We makes it very, really feel special to be able to go to a place like Gonzaga. We were, we're blessed and we're blessed that Tommy didn't go to Carroll and that Johnny didn't go to St. John's. John, what about you? There's too many of them. I mean, I, I think that one of the things that I do remember, leadership comes from the top and, and having Father Dooley as a true leader who knew all the kids in the school who came to our games, you know. You, you, you walk down the street, down I Street, and you had, you know, Horace J. McKenna out there um, and, and, you know, doing his work. Uh, it was a special place. It's a little different type of school. You're right in the middle of it in Medias Res. So, uh, again, I think Marty was right. I mean, we're, we're, we're blessed to have had that opportunity. Uh, I'm blessed to have been able to play with Tommy and with Marty and with all of our teammates and to play for Dick and Billy. John Williams, Marty Favrette. Tom Sluby, all from the class of 1980, and Coach Dick Myers and Bill Wilson, thank you all for the time and the memories. Brian, thank you for your work here. Thank, thank you, Brian. Brian. See you, fellas. Good seeing you, right. Good to see you guys. See you, Marty. See you, Tommy. See you, John. Billy. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Yeah. Bye-bye. Good to see you guys. All right. Take care. As we get ready to wrap up episode 17, I have to share a comment I got when we visited with Mike Crilly from the class of 1980. He's with the Gonzaga Business Network. Uh, that victory over DeMatha in 1980, I drove four other guys. We might have cut a couple of classes and gone to the Arboretum on our way out to DeMatha. And we were the only ones in the gym from Gonzaga. We had lost by 25 on I Street, so there was no one gave us any hope. And I say this to, to Sloob and to Johnny and Marty and Coach all the time. I take a little bit of credit for that victory, even though I wasn't on the team. Down one point with 10 seconds to go, a guy named Kelvin Johnson for them goes to the line. His foot was touching the line. I saw it. I yelled, his foot's on the line. And the ref blew the whistle. Gonzaga ball came down and won the game. So I said, you know, from the stands, I won the game for you guys. Love that story, Michael Crilly. We'll have to check the score sheet and see if you actually got an assist in that game, but <laughs> love that you were there nonetheless to witness history. Next week in episode 18 of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast, a visit with former headmaster, Dr. Joe Cangolini. Back when we were building the school back up again, there were three factors that really made it happen, I think, in addition to the strength of the school's mission and the dedication of the people who were there and didn't abandon the school. But the three things were Tom Salubi, the Metro, and Father Dooley. Uh, clearly, uh, the three of them put Gonzaga back on the map and made it possible for us to start a 
a steep incline in growth of the school. If you were at the school from the 1980s to around 2000 and you remember the Joe Changalini era, you're going to love our next episode. As always, feedback is welcome. Podcast at Gonzaga.org. Please be sure to rate and review the podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, a five-star review would be wonderful. And if you want to write any commentary, that helps us on the algorithms. And share the link with anyone who you know loves Gonzaga. Until next time, ad maorium dei gloriam and hail Gonzaga. March,